Good morning. My name is Erin Carnes, and you may have seen me around here a few times during our events with a camera in my hands. So, um, but this morning I'm going to read from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. Why don't you all take a seat here, and I'll just get settled in a little bit. How are we doing this morning? Yeah? That is good to hear. Uh, How about the crew? Uh, We've got something to cheer for, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, anybody in a full-fledged Christmas mode yet? (laughs) Okay, who's done with all their Christmas shopping? One, two, okay, I don't feel sad, three, okay, there we go. All right, well, uh, congratulations, you can leave. So, I don't like you. Just kidding. Anyways, well, good morning, Linworth, and good morning to those of you that are Uh, Watching online, my name is Rich, and I'm one of the pastors here at Linworth. Technically, I'm the family pastor, but um, we're so glad that you are here. And so um, this morning is our second message in our Christmas series, Christmas According to John. And we're going to be covering John, as we just read, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Uh, And we're camping in chapter 1 of John for this whole series, and it's just... It's just amazing that so much is wrapped up in one chapter, and maybe sometimes we don't think about, well, John chapter 1, Christmas, how does that work together? Well, I think you find out as we work through these, uh, the scriptures here um, that there is so much to be said on there. So in a little induction, if you read it on Friday in your, in your email, um, I asked the question, have you heard the phrase in a Christmas message or in a story or in a song that Jesus was born to die? And I said, oh, yeah, you know, Jesus was born to die. I mean, I've said it out of my mouth here, but, you know, we inherently, we, we know what somebody is saying, right? We know what that means, that Jesus came to earth as a man in human flesh to ultimately sacrifice himself for our sins, then to conquer death so that we might have the opportunity to live with him for all of eternity. And so while that's true, perhaps there's another way to d- describe or expound on that, on the reason why Jesus came, the reason for Christmas. So John chapter 1 is all about why Jesus came into the world, which is the meaning of Christmas, right? Born in a manger. He came in the meaning of Christmas. And it helps us understand the Christmas story, why he did come. More importantly, it expounds on the meaning itself of Christmas. And that becomes evident in our verses for this morning, verses 12 and 13, right? One of the meanings, one of the reasons he came, Christmas, right? And and I think you could argue the main reason was to give us the right to become children of God. And that doesn't, the transaction, that doesn't happen if he doesn't come. If Christmas doesn't come, if he is not born, then we don't have that opportunity, all right? And the only way that that can happen, becoming a child of God, is by what the Bible calls being born again. And we'll come back to that in just a moment here. See, I think something to understand about the Christmas story 
is that the Christmas story, it didn't start at his birth. That's not where it really started. It culminated, but it didn't start there. See, the, the Gospel of John does not begin the Christmas story with the birth of Jesus. And it didn't begin when John the Baptist you know, was proclaimed that one who is better is coming to him and that he was preparing the way. And it didn't happen with the beginning of the telling of the history of Israel. And nor did Christmas story begin in 336 when Emperor Constantine declared December 25th as to when Jesus was born, therefore in celebration of Christmas on that day. Now, as Pastor Chris helped us last uh, week see uh, in John, John takes us back before time, before creation, to eternity, showing us that Jesus is God and that he had a specific purpose as a member of the Trinity. And that was to bring Christmas to our doorstep, to bring it to us, leading us all to this amazing miracle or point that we could become the very children of God through new birth, to be born again. Let's pray. Father, your word, as we read it, has so many miracles in it. There is love dripping from the pages of your word. And it is found in everything that you do. And Lord, we so appreciate that. I pray this morning as we walk through just a couple of verses here that um, we can engage, get into that place where uh, maybe we're not tired of hearing you know, Christmas messages, oh, here we go, but that it would be enough, Lord, uh, that we would hear it freshly, we would hear it newly, that you would prick our heart, that you would challenge us, that you would speak to us how much you do indeed love us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so before we go too much further here, um, let's follow a simple little outline to answer three questions as it relates to these verses. Um, number one, how to become a child of God, the obvious first question. Next question is how not to become a child of God. And number three, what does it mean to be a child of God? So let's read those verses again real quickly. Verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were, he were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. So our first question, let's tackle that. How to become a child of God? And so the simple answer to that question is given at the end of verse 13, right? We must be born of God. See, we've all have been born once of the flesh, right? Pinch yourself, that's you in the flesh. You've been born once, okay? You are here. This is not an alternative universe, okay? All right, so. So in other words, okay, so, um, so these verses are telling us that there is another birth. In other words, that we have to be not just born once, but we have to be born again. In some way, in order to become children of God, that has to happen. And that's important because you can't be a Christian without being born again. And how do we know this? Well, there's a neat little story in John chapter 3 uh, where we have this very sincere, um, learned Pharisee named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus has a conversation with Jesus about this very thing. 
And so what about Nicodemus? Nicodemus was um, a leading religious leader of the time. He had a lot of knowledge. He was powerful. He was respected. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And, um, and so he asked some questions. He came to Jesus to ask him some questions about who Jesus was and the amazing things that he was doing. So let's read a little of the story in John chapter 3. If you want to open your Bibles, you can turn to page um, 887. And so it's going to be John chapter 3. I have my wife's Bible here, and it's really, really tiny print, so hopefully we'll get through it, all right? All right, chapter 3. And we're just going to go through uh, about seven verses here, okay? Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night, kind of snuck around right there, and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. By the way, if, if you, um, I know many of you have, have watched The Chosen, and you've watched The Chosen, the series, yeah, like, uh, Excellent, if you haven't. But um, you just look up on Google that, um, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. It's about a 10-minute little section there. It is, is powerful. You'll get such a sense of, the, of what Nicodemus is trying to figure out here. Why, why is this? And so I want to challenge you if you want to take a look at that. It'll just pop up as a 10-minute um, part of the video there. And so you have this very important, what do we have, right? This very important, powerful, well-respected religious leader. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He's really genuinely seeking. He wants to get an answer. It's, Jesus is so confusing to him. And Jesus says to, Nic to Nicodemus, says, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And Nicodemus, he was confused by, by this answer. And so say, Jesus says to Nicodemus, I'm not talking about a physical birth, No. I'm talking about the need to be born again in a spiritual way, in a new way. Something supernatural needs to happen in your heart. Something different has to take place. And that is what John wants us to understand. This, the transformation we need in order to become a child of God is one that only God can accomplish. We can't do it, as we'll find out in the verses. And that he provides for us. There's nothing that we can do. And that's what born of God means. Let's use an illustration, okay? This is used by many as well as um, uh, Tim Keller and um, in their discussion of, of these verses. So let's just think about birth, okay? The birth of a child, okay? Your birth or the birth, if you're a parent and you've, and you've um, had it and you have children, all right? So when you and I are, are, are born, I mean, we do nothing, right? We're just like in this oven. We're just there. We are not doing nothing, and then all of a sudden, we appear, all right, okay? Uh, it, the parents do 
everything, everything. I mean, guys, you guys do a little bit, right? Yeah. Women, you do everything, right? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so your mom does everything, or you, when she had you, or you've gone through everything. Um, all the effort. We give nothing. It just happens to us, all right? We just come out screaming like, a, you know, who knows what. Where am I? What's going on? I don't think we have those coherent thoughts, but it's something to that effect, right? And so we are brought into this world by the efforts, and listen to this, and it's the labor of another, not ourselves, all right? And so the full thrust of what Jesus is saying here is just as you are not given physical birth through the effort and your labor, but the labor and the effort and the risk, at the risk of the other person, the mother, so you're not able to get spiritual birth except through my labor, through my suffering, and through my agony, and not at the risk of my life, but at the cost of my life. So how does this new birth, the right to become children of God, begin? Well, key word here is receive. It is to receive what already has been accomplished for us. So we need to go back to verse 12. Is it? To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so I think this is what it looks like. The, the word, first of all, right, means permission or authority. Okay, we've been given that. So in other words, when we fulfill the condition God sets out, God declares, give permissions for us to become children of God. That knowing that the work has already been done, and when the work has already been done, then he invites us to this transaction, okay? The condition is that we must receive and believe in his name. Can you say free will a little bit here? Do you see that? It's something. He's given us an opportunity, inviting us and giving us permission. So let's look back at our verses again. Let's read, though, from verse 10, where it says that he was in the world, that being Jesus, and the world was made through him. Okay, the world made through Jesus. Yet the world did not know him. And then verse 11, he came to his own, and his own people did not, did not receive him. So he was in the world. He came. He was born on Christmas, right? The world was made through him. It was made by him. Yet the world did not know him. They, he, they didn't know who he was. Even though he had made them, he had made the world. And then, not only that, but he came to his own. And here it is. And his own people, what? They did not receive him. And then comes the most famous transition word in all of Scripture, used multiple times through the New Testament to give us truth, the word but. In some of your translations, it might say yet, verse 12, but, but, listen to this, but, here's the change. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Yeah. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor to the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, the second birth, born again. So two conditions, receiving Jesus and believing in his name. They go, to, they go together here. So what does it mean to receive Jesus? 
what does it mean to receive Jesus? Well, first off, the idea of the word receive here, um, if you were to parse out the Greek and the tense and all that stuff here, is that it's a one-time individual personal decision. And it's not just letting somebody in the front door, hey, yeah, come on in, type of thing, like receiving a guest. The idea here is that when you receive something, the power of this word, you take into that person, uh, into your heart. You possess it, and it possesses you. So that's the idea of receiving here. It's robust. And in this context, it means that you also take then the next step, the bold step of not just receiving, but of believing. And that is believing in his name. What he has done, meaning all of who he is, the Lord of salvation. And so let's expand this. So to receive Jesus means you, you, take, you take the next step. So we receive, and that is to believe. So let me expand a little more. It's more than simply believing that Jesus existed. It means you recognize who he is. You believe that he is sufficient to save and to transform you. You believe in him, and this is what you do. You bet your life on him. We bet our life on him, that it's true, on that belief. See, in, this, in, in John, if we work through John, uh, John introduces one of the great words in the gospel, in all of Christianity here. The word is believe. Believe. Jesus uses the word believe over and over again about believing in him. In the Gospel of John, in John what? Famous verse, John 3, 16, is it there? Right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, he has crossed over from death to life. Jesus said in John 6, 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. 6, 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. John 6, 47, I tell you the truth, he who believes, believes is, has everlasting life. John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Jesus, uh, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life, right? He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? John 16, 27, and I'll do, I'll do one more after this. Know the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I come from God. And then in John chapter 20, John gives us like this, this verse in, in, in John, which kind of is a summation of why he wrote the gospel. Verse, verse 31, John says, but these are written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. So do you see the totality of this, of what it means to believe, how strong that word and meaning it is? It means to believe in him. Believe in him means trusting that he is God in the flesh, that he came to earth to die for our sins, that he is the one who said who he, who he, said he was, and that he alone can save you. And what's the result? According to our verses, right? We become the children of God. 
we have this radical new birth. We have this new life. We have a spiritual life where we have been adopted, but we've been given a new identity. Keller put it this way. He said, a spiritual life is implanted into you, which you didn't have before. You're just born of flesh. It's been implanted into you. So our next question, how not to become a child of God? It's answered in verse 13. Let's go ahead and read. We'll read 12 and 13 together again. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become uh, children of God. Who were born, here we go, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So becoming a child of God is not of blood. It's not by heredity. You're not just born and you just get whatever it is. You know, you're not, you're not, a, you're not born British royalty. Like, you know, 24 generations and you get to do things that nobody else gets to do, right? It's not by heredity. It's not by human lineage, okay? And that was tough for the Jews to hear because I mean, they were all about where they came from everything, bloodlines. So having the right, quote-unquote, bloodline does not give you the right standing uh, with God. One person put it this, we do not become a child of God by the accident of physical birth. So, so next, nor will, nor the will of the flesh, or might, you might mean human desire. It means that, um, that we can't wish it into existence, not by anything that we try through our home and desire. It's not also just as uh, kind of piggybacking on the first one, not by procreation, okay? And then thirdly, nor of the will of man, which is talking about human effort. It's not based on human methods that we can put together and create check boxes for us to become that, right? Just being baptized doesn't do it. Just being baptized as an infant doesn't do it. Or living a good life. Or going to church every Sunday. Or trying really hard. How does the verse end? Not those things, but, but born of God. Once again, John wants us to understand the new birth. He wants us to understand it from his perspective, from God's perspective. This new birth, this right to become a child of God, it is a work from God from the beginning to the end, not anything from us. Okay, so our final point. You guys got that? Good. What does it mean to be a child of God? I think you could argue that becoming a child of God is one of the greatest miracles of God. It is the creation of a new life. Another person when I was, was studying this said this. says, the one who made everything the first time is the one who makes everything new the second time. And so the creator creates again. So let's continue to explore what, what it means to be a child of God. And I think if, if you turn to Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 7, I think we might, we'll have that verse up there. I think that sums up many of the things it means to be uh, a child of God. So uh, let me go ahead and read that. It says that, but when the fullness of time has come, what's that? Christmas? God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, 
so, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons or daughters, God has sent the spirit of the son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, you're but a son. And if a son, then as an heir through God. So what does it mean? That means we've been redeemed. It means we have been purchased. We've been saved by our sins, by what Jesus did. It means that we have been adopted as sons or daughters. You've probably heard this before, but that Greek word adoption, it, it, it's referring to the full legal standing in Roman times there uh, of an adopted heir, meaning we are fully gods with all the rights and all the privileges that are available. So we have this whole new identity. And not only that, but we have the Holy Spirit of his son in our hearts. Romans 8, 16 confirms uh, Galatians 4, 16, where it says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit tells us that we have a new daddy, that we have a new father. We are, uh, and beyond that, we are no longer a slave, but we are indeed God's child. And since you and I are his child, it comes with some privileges. He has made us an heir. Romans 8, 17 confirms this also. Verse 17 says, Now if we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. What I hope here is that, 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 that we can absorb the spectacular demonstration of how much God loves us, okay? 1 John 3, 1 says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. You are, I am a child of God, and I want you to begin to just to think on that, what all that means. God is telling us that he loves us with all the veracity and closeness that he loves his only begotten son, Jesus. He loves us that much. He loves you more than you love yourself. He wants you more than you what you want for yourself. Are you beginning to see what Christmas brings, according to John. Now, as we finish up here, um, let me dial in on being adopted, okay? As it says in Galatians 4. Adoption by God is the result of being born of God, right? So I want you to quiet yourselves for just a bit here, all right? I want you to stop for a second, take a deep breath. And I just want you to get to a place to appreciate what I'm going to say next, okay? And so it may sound um, a bit unsophisticated, perhaps even juvenile in its, or juvenile in its terminology, but the depth of the meaning is unmistakable here. Because we have been born again because we have been adopted and are now a child of God, 
And, it, and you're just going to go, yeah, well, duh, on this. But just let it, let it resonate you. God is our father more endearly. God is our daddy. He's our papa. Galatians 4, 6 says, because you are his son, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. In our, in our American way of things, in our own way related to a father, we might say, he is my daddy. He might say that he is Papa to us. The creator of the universe said to you, I want to be your dad. He wants to be your father. I will be your dad. I will be your father. I will and do love you as if you were my only begotten son. I am your father. Now that should wreck you. That should wreck you as you think about who you are in his eyes. Do you believe that we have, that we can have that type of relationship with God? Knowing ourselves and our thoughts and how bad we can be. Through belief in his name, we have been welcomed into his, his family, and he is our dad. He is your dad. He is my dad. He is our father. Now, let's think of a picture of this, just a little picture of this, okay? If you have kids, right, and you come home from work, being away for a while, what often happens when you open that door, they come running up to you, right? All right. Give you a big hug and tell you how much you love them. And um, Aaron and I are beginning to experience now that we have grandkids. We get to kind of like redo that whole thing there, but... Um, but that's our father. We can run into his arms anytime, and he will tell you this, that he loves you, that he accepts you, that he is proud of you, that he forgives you when, you're, when needed, and that he celebrates you. Merry Christmas, Linworth. Merry Christmas. Now, you know, in the adoption world, when you are adopted, they use the term, you guys have heard of this, my forever family, right? Okay? You get your forever family. And so for a child who has been abandoned, who hasn't had an anchor in their life where the, the message they receive is that you are unlovable, nobody really wants you, you are tolerated, for them to be and adopted is the greatest and most precious gift that they could ever receive because it tells them that they are indeed wanted, that they are worth it, that they are loved, that someone is willing to sacrifice to take them into their family to become one of them, a full-fledged fledged, excuse me, fledged member of the family. That's the message and opportunity God gave us. And as you think of that, I wanted to give you a taste of how much it means to a child that is adopted, and you might want to grab a tissue. Take a look at a couple of little slices of video here.
This young boy named Harvey has been living with his foster parents for a little while, and this was the moment they sat him down to tell him he's finally been adopted by them. I'm adopted? I'm adopted that right now? It became official yesterday. I'm, the, I'm adopted? I'm gonna stay here? Yay! His reaction was so wholesome, jumping up and down, so happy to have a forever family. When he went to hug his dad, he then said this. This 11-year-old girl got called to the school office and was told that she's officially being adopted. She immediately jumped into the school manager's arms in excitement that she now has a forever family. The school manager said, in a world full of negative news and sadness, there's always joy like this that happens every day. Put your place, yourself in the place of what? Our Father, adopting us. Can you imagine having that kind of relationship with the holy God of the universe? If you receive and believe and are born again, you do and you can that you have been welcomed into his family where you know him as your dad, where you know him as your father. Do we understand what it really means to be adopted? Not just by a family, but by the creator of the universe, the one who will, will truly for all of eternity will be our forever family. You have a forever family if you are a child of God. The Christmas story in John is about our opportunity to find our forever family. It's an opportunity if you haven't received him and believed in his name and what he has done for you to be adopted by him, to become his child. Become his child. I want you to imagine if you don't know him, you've been kind of investigating, you've been trying to figure out things, that you walk in, you, you come, it's Christmas, day, morning, you come down your stairs and there's a Christmas tree, but there's only one gift down there. And this, this, this package under the Christmas gift, it has your name on it. And it's, it's written, and on it is a card. It's written, it's the most beautiful card that you could ever, ever imagine. It just kind of fits you. So if you're a frilly person, it's the most beautiful frilly if you're a hunter, might have a dead deer on it. No, I don't know. But if you're a hunter, man, I mean, it's just perfect for you, for you, just you itself. And this is what is written. And I want you to put your name here. For God so loved John, Mary, you, that he gave his only son, that if you believe in him, you will not perish, you will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn you. If you've got that picture in your mind of why Jesus came, just throw it out right now. It's not true, it's a lie from the pit of hell. But in order that you might be saved through him, 
How about you receive that gift this morning? How about you make this the best Christmas ever? Let me just give you guys a second. If, if you're here and you don't know him, does everybody just bow your heads, close your eyes. and um, I, you, We just don't want to let times like this pass. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak to the hearts of those that are far from you. Speak to the hearts of those who have never known you as their, as their Savior. Speak to the hearts to let them know that they can pass from eternal death to eternal life. If you want that, if you open that package, that, that, that gift, and you believe what it says, just pray along with me. Pray along with me. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna, we're gonna pray before God, ask uh, him to speak to you. And just pray this. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus I see that. I see what this coming on Christmas is all about. Father, and I'm, I'm far from you. I don't know you, but I want to know you. And so, Father, I just want to repent of me being far from you, of not doing the things that you, that, that you want me to do, of not acknowledging you, of being... Um, seeing you as trivial, but I understand now. You, you're pricking my heart, Father. I, I want to be with you for all of eternity, and so please forgive me for any sins that I have. Thank you that you can, that you might redeem us. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you want to adopt me, me. Everything of who I am, every part of me, everything that I have done in the past, where I know I, I can't come on my own. I give it all to you. I'll let it go. I can't bring nothing to you. Father, will you receive me? Will you accept me? And you know what he says? He says, yes. Will you run and jump into my arms because I love you? If you believe that, that Jesus died for you and was raised from the dead, if you receive and believe in him, then you are now a child of God. You've been adopted into his forever family. Amen? Amen. All right, just make sure you, if, if, if you pray that you talk to me and come up afterwards for prayer or talk to somebody or come up to me and just let me know. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. Okay, let's finish up here. How are we doing on time? We're doing okay, I think. All right, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, says this. And worship team, why don't you go ahead and make your way up, all two of you. He said this, what is, what is the highest privilege of the gospel? What is a Christian? The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God as Father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship, and prayers, and his whole outlook in life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well. He says this about adoption. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. Listen, to be right with God, the judge, it's a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater.
Amen? Amen. Let me, let me, I'm going to finish in prayer before you start. Okay. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be your child. Thank you you have adopted us, that you love us and you care for us. Lord, may you bring peace to the hearts of the people here. May they dwell today on that idea that you are daddy, that you are papa, that you are our father. And we pray in this in Jesus' name. Amen.